Take your Bibles and open them to Malachi chapter 2. If you're thinking that's where we were last week, you're exactly right. As we are going to continue on and focus in on two verses from the book of Malachi today as the prophet is reminding the people of God in the Old Testament of who they used to be and where they are now. And we uh, are, are concluding today a sermon called With God. And we've learned that with God all things are possible and certainly purposeful. And so if there is a sermon title for today, which I don't, honestly, I don't usually give sermon titles. I have to because when you click on the link, you need to click on something with a title on it. Uh, So if there's a title to this message today, it is Picture Me Walking. Malachi chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, They pass on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They, meaning the priest, did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives. And they turned many lives of sin, or turned many from lives of sin. Verse 7 says, The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God, and people should go to him for instruction, for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. Malachi chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 give us a glimpse of what it's really like to walk with God and the results of walking with God. Walking with God is what? It's an ever forward, unhurried, right relationship stroll daily with the Lord God Almighty because he makes a way for us to do that. And when you walk with God, there will be desired outcomes because a real and right relationship with God always does produce real and right outcomes. But whose desired outcomes will there be? As an opening question, do we desire to walk with God today so that the resolutions and the intentions of our lives will be fulfilled or just so that we will reflect God's glory? Just so that we will honor the God who saves? If resolutions and self-improvement is more important than the glory of God, then we got to start revisiting last week again. There is no walk with God until we stand in awe of his presence. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, we covered this Wednesday night, but it's worth repeating. Y'all, God is not simply working to save you and prepare a place for you in heaven and has got it ready when you get there. That's not all that God's working on. And, and he's not just on hand to help you through your feelings and, and hopefully to make you a well-rounded person with the desired outcome of, of living a, a good life and being a good Christian. It's, it's not just about our peace. It's not about our intentions. What God is working on is his rule and his glory. That's what's in the economy of God. And out of that, his rule and his glory is certainly our good. That's how God works. But the reason to walk with God belongs to God. Sometimes I will ask my wife to walk with me in the neighborhood. Hey, Brittany, will you go walk with me this afternoon? Now, she can give me multiple responses. One of those can be, I don't want to, which means... She don't want to. The second response she could give me is, well, I need to walk too, so I'll walk with you. See, both of those responses 
have to do with her and what she wants to do and the outcomes that she is looking for. But there's a third response that she could give, which honestly she gives the most often, which is, I'll walk with you because you've asked me to and I can. See, that has less to do with her and more to do with me, what I desire. So yes, I believe the outcomes that we desire can come from a walk with God, but God would have us walk with Him just because we can. For His glory, for His rule. And before we get the picture of what walking looks like, we really do need to consider why we desire a walk with God. What are the outcomes that we are seeking? Is it the things that would be better for us or because a walk with God would just honor God? and bring him glory as he rules over us. Now, from our scripture passage today, we are about to picture ourselves walking with God. We are about to picture ourselves in the life of priests during the good days because Malachi is saying, y'all, y'all are in a bad way now. It used to be real good then. Let's get back to that. And so we are going to picture ourselves as priests of God and what it looks like to walk with God. Now, this is what you may say, so we're going to take just a minute to take away your excuse this morning. Amen. I'm not a priest. You are. Hey, I'm not a priest either. I'm a pastor and a preacher. I don't burn animals on an altar for y'all's sins. I point you to the high priest and the ultimate sacrifice, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his work, we don't even need that line anymore. But the Bible says that you and I are holy priests. It says that in the New Testament. So what I'd like to give you on the front this morning is a word that our kids often challenge each other with when they're trying to make a good comeback, which is this. No, you are. No, you are. You're a priest. You are a priest. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temples. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are royal priests who show others the goodness of God. Lord, may we get it today. And may you rid our minds of all distractions, beginning with me. Lord, that we would seek to truly desire you with our hearts and minds as we are here and as we leave in Jesus' name. Amen. You may acknowledge today that you are a Christian, that you are forgiven of the penalty of sin. Amen. We may acknowledge that today, but it's even more than that. If we are Christians in here, we are all priests, according to what the Bible says. If you don't believe it, read it. We have been cleansed and called and clothed to serve our God and to offer up good works that would be pleasing to Him and that would help others for the glory of God. Remember what we said, with God all things are possible and certainly purposeful. I read the following this week. Man, I hope you catch this like I did because some of you may have come to church today thinking, I sure don't feel like a priest that that's who I am. And and I get it because I have certainly been there. Where, where Satan will start playing games with your heart and mind to the point where you don't even know or you don't even, you're not even sure if you're saved. And that's what happens when you sin, see. Sin always is going to separate. Satan's always going to use that sin to play games. But if you are in Christ and a new creation, 
You are not just forgiven of sin in a Christian. You are a royal, holy priest. Don't feel like it? Faith over feeling. Listen to this scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. As God spoke to David, I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. That's what God did. David didn't do any of that. The lineup was there. God skipped over all those other guys that seemed more qualified, and he pointed out David, and he took him from the pasture to the palace. That's what God does. So if you don't feel like you are a priest, it could be that there is sin there, or it could be that you have not been discipled to the point that you realize all that God has made you to be. He's trying to take you from that pasture to that palace, just like David. You used to walk alone. You used to represent you and your interests. You used to represent whatever you felt like. Now you walk with God, and you represent God and whatever he values. So we've got to picture us walking today because we're all swimming in the same boat. That doesn't make sense. We're all paddling in the same boat. If we're swimming in a boat, we're in trouble. <laughs> Humility is a good thing, isn't it? Verses 6 and 7, we'll read those once again. But I'm going to give you three pictures, three pictures of what it looks like to walk with God. And the first picture is this, a funeral and a freezer, a funeral and a freezer. When we walk with God, we carry God's message. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 6, the priests, they, passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. Now listen to this in just a little bit of a different way. The Christians at Lindsay Lane passed on to the people here, there, and everywhere the truth of the instructions they received from God, and they didn't lie or cheat it. I was in a close conversation just the other day with, with someone, and we were talking about the pandemic and all this stuff and how it just continues to go on, and we are, are still living in the unknown. We don't know when it's going to be a time where we return back to normal. We don't want to know when it's going to end. And in this conversation, a voice that was just outside of the conversation I was having spoke up, and someone said, but he does. But he does. And in three words, all of my feelings of my mouth went from feeling to faith because of the truth of God's sovereignty. Now, you may ask, who said that? It was a child. It was a child sitting nearby that said those three words, but he does. And man, after I studied this this week, I thought, preach on, young priest. Because that is the truth that you pass on to other people. God, God can teach us a lot through the faithfulness of children. Moses said this of the Levite priests in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 10. They teach your regulations to Jacob. They give your instructions to Israel. God gave to his people teachers. I'm not a teacher. Well, you're a priest. We're going to keep on doing this? That's what God gave to his people. He gave people teachers. He gave them messengers who would provide instructions on what God wills and what he wants and what he values. He gave God the priest to instruct them. Or God gave them priests to instruct them on how to be right with God, how to approach God, how to worship with God, how to worship God, how to lead within his calling. 
how to act within relationships. The priest helped with all this. They passed on that instruction. You know what else they taught? They taught the real consequences of sin. They taught how to treat poor people and foreigners. That's all they're in Leviticus 2. They taught how how to remember God's grace and don't forget it, so you take it for granted. And when the truth went against the feelings of a few, Malachi remembers the day when the priests who were walking with God lovingly just said, but that's not what he said. You may feel this way or think that he is wrong, but what he has said is this. They faithfully passed on God's word. Because why? Because they trusted God's word to be what the scripture says of itself. Perfect, fit to revive the soul, and completely trustworthy. This is what God gave to his people. Teachers to teach the truth. So that you will know how to live and bring him glory. We share this same calling. We share this responsibility to pass on the truth of God. But listen, you cannot pass on what you do not know. You cannot pass on what you do not know. There, there's been a few times when I've been asked to preach a funeral. And, and often people ask me, what is that like to, to preach a funeral? Well, first of all, if God calls a man to preach and to pastor, he'll want to be the one to do that. That's within God's calling. But there's sometimes when a family will come to me and say, will you preach fill-in-the-blanks funeral? And I've never met the person. And it's difficult. It is difficult. So what they've asked me to do is, is stand and deliver the good news, but also to honor the memory of someone that they've lost. So how do you do that? Well, the truth is, is I don't know them. You can't pass on what you do not know until I get out a pen and a piece of paper, and spend about two to three hours with that family. And once I spend about two to three hours with that family, I can stand and represent them and tell everybody listening the truth of who that person is. That's what happens when you don't know enough, you got to know enough. You cannot pass on what you do not know. Therefore, if you want to walk with God and be a priest who passes on the instruction... You are going to have to, at times, get your Bible out or your phone and take a pad, a piece of paper, and a pen, pray and ask God to make it plain to you and the Holy Spirit speak to you, and come up out of that living it right and knowing more. Because you, priests of God, are to pass on the truth of God's instructions. Only when we walk with God, unhurried and forward, do we receive His Word. Yes, get in a group. Yes, sit in a circle of other believers that don't know as much as you or know more than you. Sit in a group where where you find out that everybody in there is just as bad as you are or, or worse. Yes, come to church and be part of a people that need God and never think that we've got it all together. So we're willing to sit and hear the Word and talk about it because of our need for God. Yes, learn the Bible so that you can pass on the truth. We seek all kinds of stuff all day long. But we've only been challenged by God to pass on that word of his instruction. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that an approved worker for the Lord is one who correctly explains the word of truth. So let's be resolved to walk with God, to listen to God's word, and to pass it forward. And and there's not going to be a final exam. Like if you start getting in a group, we're not going to hand out Scantron tests at the end of a session 
or semester and to see what you know. If any of your group leaders do that, let me know. We're not trying to do that. But we are trying to foster an environment where we learn the Word of God so that we can pass it forward, pass it on. However, now as I say that, now let me go back to this too. No one asked me, no one asked me about car repair. No one asked me about how to fix an engine. No one asked me that. You know the reason they don't? Because I'm not a mechanic. But I am a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, folks are going to expect me to know some answers. Because I check that box, because I go to church, because I claim I have faith and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to expect that I've got some knowledge about all this stuff that I say that I believe in. You cannot pass on what you do not know. A priest, and the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 7, the words of a priest's lips should preserve the knowledge of God, and people should go to him for instruction. People should go to him for instruction. For the priest is a messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. If you believe Jesus and you have influence, people will ask you for answers. They will. We, we just had a baptism. I hadn't cleared this with y'all, and I hope it's all right. But I need to share this because it's too good. Thank you. All right. Uh, Kyler's baptism. Josh and Kyler and I were sitting in, in the, uh, the office and Kyler was telling me about his decision. And I was asking him questions, and he was answering them and talking about what was going on in his own heart. And by the time, at the end of the conversation, I asked Kyler, I said, Kyler, are there any questions that you have for me? And you know what he said? None that my mama and daddy have not already answered. Come on, come on. You may be thinking, I'm not going to preach one day. That's fine. But in your living room may come a time where somebody that's smaller than you, those little feet pop in there and ask you a question about God. You can call me and we'll take care of it. Or you can pass it on yourself. Amen? There will be that time of exam. And the words of a priest's lips should preserve the knowledge of God and people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. A priest passes on instructions. And the Bible says, and preserves the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Preserves the knowledge of God. Y'all ain't ever had any preserves? <laughs> A sweet saint at Lindsay Lane has put preserves in my refrigerator. You can go there right now and there's muscadine preserves in my fridge. My, my mother gave us chicken stew about a month ago, froze it, got it out of her freezer, gave it to us to put it into ours so that we could have it for later. What, what is the idea behind preserves? We didn't have to make it. We just received it. It was made by someone else with whom we have a right relationship and is given to us to store up and in and then distribute. That is preservation of God's Word. You take it in, you keep it in, and then when God opens that opportunity door, you deliver what He has put in your heart. God's Spirit and His Word work together. And as we study God's Word, God's Spirit will bring it out. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The second half of that verse says, And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. How do we do that? How did you do that in school? Everybody in here at some point has to have an education. How did you study for an exam? If you made notes, then start making notes. 
If you didn't make notes and you just read it, memorize it, God bless you because it's not me. That ain't how I was made. But then do that and treat it like it's an exam, an upcoming time where you will sit before someone who is evaluating what you are telling them. Prepare yourself and be a student of God's Word. And that way when they ask you, we'll be ready to explain it. And past that, I would just say, just trust the Holy Spirit of God. If you're studying His Word and seeking to be faithful, trust that God's Spirit will make it plain. Y'all, there's been several times when I've got up before a group of people and taught, and at the end thought, what was that? And then have somebody come to me and say, man, the Spirit of God showed me this. Well, thanks be to God for His sovereignty and the Spirit of God that guides us into all truth. I've realized that all i got to do up here is prepare to study faithfully and get up here and open my mouth, and the Spirit of God will take care of the rest. We're just supposed to pass it on what we know. When I was about 11 years old, I tell this often because it, it means so much to me and what God was doing in my own life. I was about 11 years old, probably a little older than that, 12 or 13. We were at the beach for a baseball trip. Got down there with a bunch of boys, and we were playing ball, and all of a sudden we had a little time to go to the water, and so we were. And There was a guy that was walking up, up the beach, and, and he was either doing some beach evangelism or he was writing a paper because the way that he led off was he asked the question, what do you believe happens when you die? I will never, ever forget this. Now, I was with a bunch of boys, and with us was a few parents that were kind of over us, and so he went to the parents first. I'm not kidding about this. He went to the parents first, and I watched as they tried to think it out logically. This is what we think happens. We think that we kind of believe that when this happens. And then a lot of our guys scattered out, and for whatever reason, like I'm hooked on this. And then he turns to me, and he says, at 13, 12, whatever it was, what do you believe happens when you die? Not kidding. I looked at him and said something within this 12 and 13-year-old age. I believe God made me and loves me, but I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me, and because I believe in him, I'm going to heaven. That's the truth, amen? And at 11, 12 years old, and being discipled at 11, 12 years old, that's the truth I had to pass on, and I couldn't have stayed there much longer. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I remember God's Spirit almost ushering me away from that conversation into something else. That's all I had at the time, but it was God's time for me right then to be a priest because nobody around me was. I was saved. That's what I had. I was saved. Had a little knowledge of the Bible. That's it. So no matter where you are, start where you are and start and start again. And let God's Word begin to fill your heart and mind to the point of when somebody has a question, they're going to knock on your door. Church, when we walk with God, we're going to carry His message. And you don't have to walk alone. That's why we're all here. Second picture is this. S'mores in the sanctuary. S'mores in the sanctuary. Verse 6 says, They walked with me, living good and righteous lives. They walked with me living good and righteous lives. The first point had to do with our mouth. This has to do with our lives. It has to do with our hands and our feet and our minds, how we carry ourselves, how we act in public, how we act in the dark. Those we've looked at in recent weeks, including today, were all 
people, and with these people, we could say that they were living right. And what they had in common over the last few weeks, though, was that one little big word, with. With. Enoch walked in faith, or walked in close fellowship with God. Noah walked in close fellowship with God. The priest, they walked with me. With. This righteousness was because of a nearness. So, so walking, as the scripture says, living good and righteous lives was because of their nearness to God. And we are given biblical instruction in James chapter 4, verse 8. Come close to God and you know what happens. And God will come close to you. Out of the nearness in their walk and fellowship with God came living good and righteous lives. It hasn't been too long ago that we were invited to a fellowship here by a group from Lindsay Lane, and, and we took our family, and because it was in all of this, we gathered outside. It was kind of cool that evening. There was a fire going, and they were going to make some s'mores. Now, this was one of the first times that our kids have ever done this. And we've watched the sandlot, so we know what to do, right? First, you take the gram, and then the chocolate on the gram, and then all that's left before you put the other graham cracker on is to roast the marshmallow, right? Well, because it was one of their first times to do this, and because they were little kids, they stood too far from the fire for their marshmallow to even be roasted. So we encouraged them to move closer safely to the flames. Because as one pastor said, when you're closer to the heat, you will catch the flame. When we are near to God, all of the outcomes of what he wills and values and wants will happen because of our relationship with him as we are in Christ, walking with God. This is a very simple principle to understand. If you're near him, you'll be like him. And you'll experience living good and righteous lives. But, but remember what tears us away from that nearness, selfishness and sinfulness. When we are living in ourselves and we've picked up sin and we've got it on, we are not encouraged by our flesh to walk with God. We are then because, as one pastor said, wherever there is a sin, death occurs. There's a separation not from our relationship with God but fellowship with God. So, no, we are not going to pass on the truth of the instruction. And no, we don't have peace in our salvation because there's sin there. And where there is sin, there is not nearness. There is not a close with God. That's the way that we feel. Remember in Genesis, the man and the woman, they sin, and then what? They hide from the Lord among the trees. So they were walking with God in the garden, and then there's sin, and all of a sudden there's separation. What about with Jonah? Jonah went with his feelings, how he felt, how he felt about the, the object before him, how he felt about the group of people he was to minister to. It wasn't what he wanted. So he went with himself, and he hoped to escape to another destination away from where God told him to go. Why? Because he didn't feel like it. That's the truth. My favorite passage relative to nearness I love this. My favorite passage relative to nearness may be Anna. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus was born. Jesus was presented at the temple. He was dedicated there, and he was prophesied over a man named Simeon. But he was also prophesied over into Mary and Joseph. He was also prophesied by a prophetess named Anna. 
And together, they, were, they proclaimed that God was going to rescue his people and that this is the Christ child. But the scripture says, as it goes on to describe her just a little bit, says that Anna was a widow who had lost her husband after seven years. And then afterward, after she lost her husband, she began to grow nearer and nearer, nearer my God to thee. And the Bible says this, she never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She never left. She did not want to or desire to leave his presence. And while she was there, she worshiped God. And within the presence of God, she prayed and she talked to God. And she fasted and she did without. She realized that God was all that she needed. And then what happened? Then it came out of her mouth. She began to prophesy because of the nearness that she had to the the Lord there in his temple. And we know this. In the sanctuary, we all act better in here than we do out there. Y'all didn't laugh at that. I don't. That's the same for me. We all act better in here than we do out there because of what we associate. I mean, if you want conviction to be a shared experience, let's do it. Yesterday, we're playing basketball. Our head coach is not there. So I get to be the head coach. And when I get to be the head coach, there is a a pull at me between flesh and faith all the time. I'm seriously, I'm like, Lord, help me, because you know I'll get a technical in a quick minute. (laughs) And the reason for that is because referees that are being paid will not run up and down the floor. And you can't see it if you don't get down on the other end of that floor. Now, if they were in here this morning, I would have said, good morning, good to see you, man. We, we made it through that the best we could, didn't we? Say things like that because we're in the sanctuary. When we are in the sanctuary, we bring reverence. We acknowledge God's authority. There's accountability around us. When we are in the sanctuary, there is peace in our life. We, we feel it. This is why people say things like, seriously, I've heard this over and over, and I love it because I feel the same. I've had people that have not attended in a long time sit in the sanctuary and say something like this, I felt so good when I was there today. It just felt so good being back in church. That's because when you are in the sanctuary and I'm in the sanctuary, we get a glimpse of what it's like to walk with God. We're worshiping. We're worshiping together. We're listening to his word. We're praying. We're giving. We're doing all these things. And that's what happens within a walk with God, which is why when we are here, it feels good. Now, if if we connect with that with Anna and we're drawing close to the Lord and we understand that about being in the sanctuary without the distraction of the world, that's another thing without the distraction of the world that's drawing us away, it has a real effect on us. And if we are understanding this with Anna, as much as it would be awesome for us all to stay here all the time, we're not renting out rooms or laying down cots. So we can't sleep here, stay here, like that was possible in that context. But here, you don't have to. Because God's Spirit, the Bible says, resides within us. 
He goes with us. We go with God. Therefore, we can be near him all the time. And we can have peace in that salvation. We can walk in a straight line as we are walking with God. So draw near because God draws near to you. Third picture, big guns and Walmart. It's not political. Big guns and Walmart. The Bible says at the end of verse 6, speaking of the priests and their responsibility and what it looked like to walk with God, they turned many from lives of sin. They turned many from lives of sin. God, through the prophet Malachi, remembered in that better day that these priests passed on the instructions of God day after day and represented God to the people and the people to God day after day. And their teachings and their actions led to many also turning their life of sin over to a life of obedience towards God. And the word picture here for turning gives the idea of retreat. Now, I want you to get this picture with me. Can you get that image? They turned many from lives of sin, and the word picture behind turned is retreat. A line of soldiers are fighting, and they are losing And there is danger and demise all around them. And then in the near distance, a ranking soldier says, retreat, retreat. And there's a turning from danger and a turning from death to safety. This is the responsibility of holy priests. We are to pass on the truth of God's instruction. We are to live it out ourselves so that we know that we have it. And we are to warn others and instruct others and encourage others to turn from death and demise and go towards safety. There there is no walk. Y'all listen to me as we get ready to close here. That's just a, you take that for whatever it's worth because you still got a little bit. There's no walk with God. There's no walk with God that does not result in, in the interest towards the eternal state and spiritual life of all people. There is no walk with God that does not result in caring for the eternal state of your neighbor. Now, if, if, if we can go on into our neighborhoods, we can walk in our house and close that garage door, sit down on our couch and not worry a minute about the eternal state of our whole neighborhood, something's going on in our heart that needs to be checked. If, if we are walking with God, we will care about people. Remember Noah? Noah didn't just build a boat for himself and his family. In fact, the Bible says in chapter 2 of 2 Peter, verse 5, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He was delivering a message of reproof and conversion to a world that was gone wrong. Did he preach audibly? I actually think that he did preach audibly. I think he was a herald. I think he was a messenger. I think that he tried to get the word out. I really do think so. But here's what I also know. Day after day after day, he took a hammer and drove a nail because God told him to do it. He was being obedient to what God had called him to. He lived a life of faith. And when the culture said, we're going this way, he said, I'm not going. And in that way, he was preaching to the culture around him, trying to turn many from lives of sin to retreat towards safety. Conversely, Jonah did not go to Nineveh until he followed the way of God. He went away to another city, not to evangelize them and say, God, I'm going to go over here and tell them the message too. No, he just didn't want to do it. And he got away from God. And when you get away from God, you get away from people. Now, what do you mean? 
I don't mean if you get away from God, you're not going to be around other people at school or at work or wherever you, do, wherever you go. But when you get away from God, you get away from purpose. You get away from what God has called you to do within the people group that you influence. That's what happens. When we are living apart from God in sin or apathy or indifference, we are not making a difference in how God has called us to make. We are kingdom of priests, priests that turn many from lives of sin. An evangelist, Lee Ford, tells the story of preaching at a Billy Graham event. But he was preaching the night before that Billy Graham was to deliver, to deliver the conference's final message. But Billy Graham decided that he would attend the conference on the evening before he delivered his message, and he would go there and sit in the back so that he wouldn't be noticed, and he kind of dressed incognito, and he looked something like this. So, I mean, we had to work it in. Had to work it in. If some of you have not seen that, please don't. This is not anything political. Just catch up with the times, all right? So, <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing people close say, did you know about that? They were explaining it. That's awesome. So, Billy Graham decided to attend on this evening, and he did. He sat in the back, and in, the illustration says that he had, he had glasses and like a hat, and he was just kind of trying to keep to himself where he wasn't taking attention away from the gospel. And in front of him was a man that was listening to the sermon intently. I mean, the Spirit of God was working on him. And as the preacher preached, he was, he was nodding along, and he would sit back, and Billy Graham could tell that he was, was ready to move, and God's Spirit was just working on him. So when time for the invitation came, Billy Graham leaned forward and he said, Friend, if you want me to walk forward with you, I'll walk. If you want me to go forward with you so that you can give your life to Christ, I will go with you. And the man replied, I really appreciate it, but I'm going to wait till the bigger gun comes out tomorrow night. We often, Billy Graham was the bigger gun. Should I explain that further? We often think that evangelism and leading the charge to care for people is done by the bigger guns and not the little shots. Can I just be honest with everybody in here? There's not a big gun in here. We're all holy priests according to the Word of God. And the responsibility to care for people, to pass on the truth to people, we're looking at each other. It's not the bigger guns. It's all the little shots together that make the biggest difference. It's been a few years ago, but an older gentleman approached me in the parking lot at Walmart. He came up, I was, I was about to walk in the store, and he came up to me and he handed me a gospel track. And he was meek and he was mild. I, I just, I don't forget this image. He, he was gentle and he was caring. It was cold that day and he had a coat on. And he walked over towards me and I knew that it was non-threatening because he, he had something like this to give me. And he only said just a few words and then he walked away. And I was saved, obviously, but I appreciate it, and I let him know. And we can think whatever we want to about how effective a gospel track is or whatever, but on that particular day, I can tell you this, he put one in my hand, and I didn't put one in his. And I appreciated it. And it reminded me that I have a responsibility as a holy priest, that it's my responsibility to turn people towards safety as well. 
And, and turning people is not always an evangelistic message. Sometimes it's planting seeds. Sometimes it's just speaking into what's going on and telling people how you deal with it, that you do pray. Like as Dwayne was saying, this is how I made it through. I choose to praise a, a faithful God even when I didn't feel like it. Sometimes it's, it's planting seeds by just inviting people to church because you believe in what's going on here. We're going to preach the gospel here, try to minister to people here. Sometimes we do have to open our mouth and get to the point and say, man, I really think you could turn towards safety by calling upon the name of the Lord and be saved so that God can free you from the penalty and the power of sin and speak that life into them. I really do think we got to get, sometimes it's not even those things. Sometimes it's reproof. There's people that should be here and they're not here. And I'm not speaking of of pandemic-related reasons. I'm speaking of you know why they should and they're not. And it has more to do with sin and selfishness than it does with a, a, a conscientious effort to be cautious. And sometimes we need to bow up and take a holy risk and knock on their door and say, what in the world's going on with you? This is not you. Sometimes we need to encourage people. Don't give up. Don't give up. We will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Amen? Don't give up. That's, that's what priests do. They talk about God. They represent God everywhere they go. Is there anywhere or anyone on your heart that needs a word from your mouth? Is, is your witness working against your want to? These are all things that we have to consider because walking with God leads to talking with people and turning them towards safety. I want us to get this picture today as we live. As we live is good too. As we walk with God out of a heart to glorify Him because of who He is, we are priests, holy priests. And these priests will teach His Word and ways and pass on to somebody else what's been passed on to them. These priests will experience peace and righteous living as they walk with God. And finally, these priests will participate in the turning of souls towards Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to invite you today that as you are considering all these things about what God would have us to do as we are walking with him, that you might are thinking before all of that, you need to know that you are right with God. You have a real relationship with him, that you're truly saved. Maybe today's the day you want to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but you need to help somebody help you with that. Well, that's why we've got pastors and staff here and we can help you with that. This altar's open today for you to come and pray to put all of your heart's response before God. You can pass right on by us and go straight to the altar. But if you need some help and you'd like for us to help, we have people here. Consider joining the church as a next step. Consider being baptized as a next step. What is it that you need to do responsibly with what God is leading to you to do by His Spirit? Amen?